Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some days life feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy, amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. And 
to get that going. Super. Okay, wonderful. Again, Rodney, for those of you who are just tuning in, um, Rodney will be on with us a little bit later. So what we're going to do is just move forward, um, start with our housekeeping things. Um, tonight's topic, buyout or sellout, no pain, no gain. And that's a very broad topic. What I'll do is read the show, um, the episode info, to just kind of bring you up to speed where we are um, or where we are with this particular topic. For those of you who are Butterfly Evolution regulars, you are aware of our baby, our trash can baby concept. And again, if you have not did this, shame on you, especially if you listen to us regularly. For those of you who are new, um, new listeners or newcomers to the Butterfly Evolution Radio Show, what we ask that you do, and this is to promote change. The Butterfly Evolution Show is about transformation, self-awareness, um, holding yourself accountable for your life. Um, not for what has happened into your life, but how you perceive it, your perception, your reality, um, how you just allow, I should say, how you do or you do not allow yourself to just be so that you can become. So in doing that, you must, I feel, we feel that you must always be open to change because life changes, seasons, seasons change, and Sometimes you have to, um, I'll say most times, you have to be sure that you position yourself to be able to welcome change and, and, and expect it, and expect it. So um, I heard a great story, and I hope to, to share it with you guys before we get off tonight. It's a little bit lengthy, or at least share with you guys where you can go and find it. Um, and it's titled... Um, Good or e- who knows what's good or or evil, good or bad, so to speak. And so, I found it to be very applicable to tonight's show. So I'll share it. But getting back to our baby, uh, trash can baby, we ask that you move your trash can, preferably one that you use frequently. Move it to another location. And in doing so, what we ask you to do to just kind of monitor how often you return to its old location before you before you get it, before it clicks um, or the understanding um, clicks that you have moved it. And what this, what this will allow you to see is that oftentimes, and I have not had anybody tell me any different, that you will go back to where you moved it from because it's routine. Um, because you're used to going there. You become accustomed to going to that particular place for this. And so you're an autopilot for that particular thing. Oftentimes we do the same in life. We can even have, what I love about the trash can concept is it is so applicable to every part of our lives. Because buy out or sell out tonight's topic, no pain, no gain. Rodney, um, this is Rodney's baby so to speak, and he was sharing some some uh, information with me the other day, and it was mainly about workplace, um, you know, being a buy out or sell out as it relates to the work, the, your, the workplace, the work environment. Uh, for those of us, and I'm sure many of us, probably all of us can relate, at times we have issues in the workplace. Um, I think it's 
the same thing in relationships, in life in general, um, relationships such as siblings, uh, you know, parenting, all that. So, again, this topic is very broad. Um, but for, for tonight, we're going to stick probably mostly to the workplace, but we will venture out as well. So move those trash cans and be reminded as you return to its old location. And if you don't return to its old location, we really we would like to interview you on the show. If you find that you never go back to it, especially the first couple of times, um, gosh, like I said, we 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 would love to interview you just to see where you are in this process of transformation and how do you keep yourself from living in that autopilot mode. Um, so move those trash cans and share what you get from it. Uh, we like to say for those of you who have families, uh, married, children, or just married, or just children, make it fun, make it a game. You know, keep keep a running score of how many times each of you return to the old location, and then discuss, have a discussion. I, we, we don't communicate enough, so that's a whole other topic, but have a discussion about the thoughts. You know, what did you do when you returned? What do you think about the number of times you returned versus someone else? Um, and kind of ponder about where you guys are um, as it relates to life. Are you stressed? Are you, do you have a lot going? That kind of thing, because I think all that plays a great part in and how many times we return and for how long we, we continue to return there. So the, the phone lines are open. If you're listening to us by way of phone um, and you have a question or a comment for tonight, select the number one. We will pull you in by providing the area code and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from tonight. Again, the area code and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from tonight. Once we pull you in, be ready to ask, question, ask your question or or make your comment as quickly as possible. Um, for those of you who are listening through by the chat line, you can post your questions or comments there, and I will get them just as quickly as possible. If you're listening through another uh, entity of social media and you want to, I do have my Facebook open, so you can send messages there. Um, and if you don't want your name shared, please please uh, let me know that as well. Otherwise, we'll we'll share it. So moving right along. Um, again, tonight's topic is buyout or sellout. And I just kind of added this, this little twist to it, no pain, no gain. And the reason I did this little addition because I think as a people, we, we've come to, to um, we try to avoid life, I will say that, meaning the life that comes with all the trials, the tribulations, um, the unexpected circumstances, the situations, the interruptions. I feel that most of us, um, and it's natural, we want no friction. We we, we want a life of our own, um, a life that we can predict, uh, control. Um, now, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, if we just knew all about it, if we just knew about everything that was going on, what trials we're going to have to face today, the people that we're going to, the evil people, the the good people, like the people that we're going to have to face and um, 
deal with today. So wouldn't that be great? But it doesn't happen that way. We all know that. So at some point in time, I think we we find ourselves, um, if not expecting no pain, no gain, maybe even longing for no pain, no gain, because some of us also feel like I've been through enough. You know, when does it get? When does the road um, even out? When do I get past all of the, um, I know for here we have just a tremendous amount of potholes. And so it's kind of like you go through all this, you know, you go through these potholes and these bad streets and all of a sudden you come to a section where they've worked on and it's smooth sailing. Um, For me, that changes, that can, I'll say, on the right day, that alone can change my my being. It can change just how I feel. Um, so pay attention, not paid attention to that. Just kind of kind of monitor. I know they did our our interstate here. They kind of revamped and re repaved it. We have more lanes now. And I remember when, because I don't get out a lot, but when I do, I remember the first time I drove on it after. It was all complete. I thought, wow, I felt like I was in a new city, a new place with new people. It just felt um reju it just it just changed. I don't know. My 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 probably my mood about the city itself. So that's kinda how I feel about no no pain, no gain. We don't really embrace the bad times, the hard times, the difficult times, the times that um I think are there for uh, a great reason. I think for me, I when I look back, my most growth has come from my greatest pain or the things that kind of took me beyond myself, took me out of my comfort zone. So buy, how does that relate to buyout or sellout? I'm going to read the episode info for tonight, and I kind of I had some difficulty with this, but we had to get it out there, so I'll, I hope you guys understand and be able to follow me here. But the topic, buyout or sellout, no pain, no gain. Often we find ourselves in situations where we are forced to make decisions that will perhaps challenge our motives and intentions as it relates to promoting awareness and authentic change. When someone is fighting for their rights or attempting to implement a movement that will forever change the dynamics of society, the dynamic of society, they may also find themselves being forced to make a decision to accept a buyout, which could leave them potentially being viewed as a sellout. What is the difference in buyout and sellout? How can we be sure that we are not selling out to ourselves and the overall good for society. Has the nature of people made it easier to solve situations by and through payouts and or promotions? And that's what I meant by we're we're mainly talking here. Again, um, this kind of came about from a discussion Rodney and I was having um, and I know, Tamari, I see you out there, so I know you probably said, oh, I know what this is about, because Rodney and I was uh, talking of, about all of our situations that we've had from time to time um, in the workplace and friends of his and so forth. So 
that's where we will go with it tonight. I know for me, I have had my share of um, workplace disasters, I will say, to the point where I truly, when I think about a nine to five sometimes, I really, I feel myself just feeling antsy, like I can go into and have anxiety about it because it's just so much drama and it's so much, um, I'm going to say racism as well. There's so, there's so much, there's politics, there's racism, there's, there's so many isms probably more than we we ever will really, really know. And it seems like the harder we work, those that those there's a few group a few people, um, I will say in each workplace that really maintain keep things going and keep maintain and keep them going in a loving but also professional manner where there's respect and honor for people and the overall good of the business rather than um, playing this politic game, this favoritism game, all the isms. And let me, I'm going to pull, we have a caller. Caller from 804, last four digits, 0999. You're on the air with us. Are you going to join me tonight? Hi. Samaria. Hi. Um, no. I know. I didn't know if you were calling in with question or comment or if you were going to join me since Rodney hadn't come on yet. Oh, I, well, I was just listening in, and um, I, he told me to let you know that he would try to join as soon as possible. He said there were a lot of people on the train. Yeah. Okay. So, I kind um, of said it when I was uh, logging on tonight and I didn't see it. I said, I bet. I bet he got on and it's more crowded than he thought and the noise, um, you know, might be a, you know, just might not work for him. So, but that's fine. You can hang out with us. You feel like hanging out or you want me to put you back in mute? How do you want to do it? Oh, oh no, and I just wanted to uh, to join in. Uh, yeah, Rodney and I were talking about this and actually my mom and I talked about it today and I'm with you, like, a nine to five. Yes, I have one. I'm grateful for my job, but at the same time, I'll say the amount of frustration um, that comes from like unfair treatment and knowing that people can do half the amount of work that you do, get paid more money, um, and are hassled way less. It's like the more you do, the more people expect from you, um, and mm-hmm. it's frustrating because you see people who maybe like may not have a degree or they just have been there a long time and they know the right people and bump shoulders with whomever and they promote them. Or like my mom was talking about her experience, she was out on leave and she got five new, um, I'll just say like contracts to do, but other people who look a little bit different than her, um, they don't get anything when they're out. When they're out on paid time off, they don't get come back to work to anything until they get back. But my mom continually gets work while she's out. And then on top of that, she gets more work than the other people. Um, So it's just frustrating. And so me and her were talking about that, like, because I know everyone tries to say, well, life isn't fair. But some stuff is so blatantly obvious that it just gets tiresome. And it's like, okay, what do you do? Um, Do you go, like, to, to HR? So a lot of times people will say, oh, go talk to HR. 
Well, I've learned over the years based on my experience talking to HR, HR is there to protect the company. I use HR was there for human resources to help the people and help the company, but I found that they do what they need to do to cover for the company so the company doesn't get sued, Mm. even if the company's in the wrong. And what's even more frustrating is seeing companies pay people off and have them sign non-disclosures for racism, sexism, sexism, bullying, all types of craziness that I've seen over the years. And most of the time they just pay people off and then they ask them to be quiet. And then those people never talk about it again. But I know some of those situations that have happened and I'm like, well, that stinks um, because the company continues to do what they do the people at the very top who make it toxic, or sometimes it's not even the people at the very top, is middle management, but because they're yes men or women, the company won't let them go. Or maybe they know something about someone at the top, so the company protects them at all costs. And, and Tamara, you're so right. And that's where, that's where the buyout or the sellout comes in. And, and as I was thinking about buyout versus sellout, when, when there is a buyout, um, and I know that's not what we're talking about, but just for those of you who are listening, just kind of kind of keep your, keep an open mind here. When when there is a buyout, there's 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 an acquisition, there's a gain of of, of something, and and for for the most part, um, yeah, some people are lost, you know, with buyouts when a company is is taking over, but when there's when we sell, when we sell out, I want to make sure I get, remember this how I saw it in my head at the time. I, I think when there's payments offered or sometimes even positions, um, that's kind of like them buying you out. But the situation does not change, and I think a lot of this is happening. And and I know when I went through my ordeal. Uh, it was it was a difficult time. Like I stayed as long as I possibly could. I was to the point, and I remember verbalizing to God. And I wish, however, wherever I was, there's been a few times in my life where whatever was going on with me inside, it was enough assurance in me. Either I was more sick and tired of being sick and tired, or I had a whole lot of faith. Because at that particular time. I was ready to go. I I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't care where my next dollar came from. I just knew if I stayed in this position, I was going to be one or two things. I was going to have a stroke in the hospital. I was going to be on the news because I was going to hurt me some people. That's where I was. And I just remember saying, God, I have to go. I don't know what you're going to do about this, but I'm not staying here. And and that was going to be my next move. Um, And, again, I wish I knew what fueled that because it's like the doors of heaven just opened up. I got my dream, like I got to come home. I got to make the exact amount of money that I had asked for. These people hired me without ever meeting me, sent me my work, my, my computer things here at the house. It was as if I was walking in this trance, like, I cannot believe all of this is unfolding. But I knew that I could not stay there. 
at all costs. Like whatever it was going to cost me, I could not stay there because I was already gone. And it was going to be worse if I stayed. So I I left, but I also um, I still fought for the wrong that I thought had taken place continually. Um, and I did it alone. And I remember asking people before I left, and I can't say much about this because, like Tamaria said, there's disclosures and everything. But I remember asking people right. before I left, guys, let's do this together. Let's let's like even then I was like, let's just walk out. Let's go. And nobody wanted to go. Nobody wanted to. And I was like, the last thing these people want is for the news to be here and we be on national news talking about what's going on. But to me, right. you you have to, and, and I'll say this, I, I, was, I was out with Brandon Friday night and we were having dinner and we were discussing, uh, to me, a, a very serious matter in, for my life, for me. And, and he was like, Mom, are you willing to sacrifice a moment for a movement. Like he said, you sometimes we give up at the time where there's a break, like there's something coming. But even in that time, like when I got to the end of my fight after leaving this company and I just thought, I'm so tired. It had been years. I'm so tired. And I was, I was representing myself for a very long time, and it got to the point where I was spending five, six hours reading legal documents, how to file this, and I filed my own. I mean, I was that adamant. That's just how much I was, that's my, my insides was just up in roar about some of the things that, that I was seeing. And I was, but to Mary, I was more amazed by the silence of so many others. Like that, I oh, just thought, yeah. Just walk back into slavery. That's exactly how I thought because I moved here. And I thought, what in the, I'm just going to say, what in the hell? How, 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 does, how does one's mindset get here? And tonight, and I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Tamara. Tonight as I was, I was, you know, kind of settling down, getting ready to look over this, I thought about for the, the Esther story for such a time as this. Who that? How dare you keep silent? How do you not know that you have been put here for such a time as this? That this is your battle. This is your moment for your movement, and that's what we're missing. We're not. We're not um, making ourselves accessible to the pain that's needed for gain. We're not. Like even with exercise, with eating right, you know, you go through a deep, deep time before you really feel like, oh, wow, the effects of what you're, the change that you're producing. You know, even with eating right, something so great, my body rejected my new way of eating. Why? Because it was in autopilot mode for all that bad stuff. So I felt sicker in trying to eat right because now my body, my old way is in battle with my new way. And so that's why I felt compelled to put the part in no pain, no gain, because 
pain is necessary. And if I if if, if that word doesn't sound right, trials, tribulation, that's that's from the word of God. Try count it all joy, consider it joy. But how often do we do we step back or just take a moment and say, Okay, God, maybe I'm Esther in this. I don't do it. I haven't did that in a very long time. I don't even know if I can remember the last time. I think I've did it before. But well I know I have before, but, but sometimes you're at that moment where I I'm tired. And, and that's what I meant by has the nature of people made it easier to solve situations by and through payouts and their promotions. Because if you go into a workplace and you know that people see what you see, but everybody acts like, oh, you? What are you talking about? You know, well, you just have to expect that, you know, that this is how it is. No, I should not have to come to no one. No one, let me say that, no one should have to endure um, some of the things that I see going on and hear about that's going on in the workplace. No one should have to endure that. And I think it's showing up by the way that people are, and and I don't condone this in no way, shape, form, or fashion, but I will say, yes, there's something wrong with, with people who, who can take allow it to go to that level. However, someone saw those same people as normal people. Someone also saw those people being walked on, tramped on, trying to, to voice their opinion, trying to feel like there's some hope of fairness that people steal, integrity, I'll say, and it, it seems to never come. So we are equally... When, when things like that happen, I think we are equally at fault. Someone is. Someone has, 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 set, has allowed so much. And like, like you said, Tamaria, you think that HR is there for, for the whole, the people, you know, both sides. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Unless you have a different, a God-fearing person who is going to make sure that their job is done for the for for the glory of God and not for the world. So, Tamaria, sadly, the people who speak up, um, because I was one of those people who did speak up. Like I've talked to like an attorney when there was investigations. I've talked to HR. I've provided proof. End up being blackballed. Like I literally could not get jobs um, within the company. For probably, I think I applied for like 10 jobs and I kept getting turned down and I know I was the most qualified. So it was crazy to me because I didn't understand and they were, they knew they were wrong. So they didn't have enough to fire me, but what they did was try to bully me and intimidate me. And I remember I was younger at the time and I remember that was a point in my life where it was really rough. So it was about eight years ago. And the stuff that they were doing, they did it to um, two other young black ladies. One lady quit and left the company. The other young lady stayed for a little while, and then she left. But my mom was like, if you all had banded together, it would have been more powerful. And the funny thing was the situation didn't happen to me when it happened to them. It happened to me a year later. But I remember getting really frustrated when it happened to them 
and trying to help, but the one girl never told anyone that that's what happened to her. She just left the company. And so um, I remember when it happened to the one young lady who was pretty vocal about it and had, had confided in me, I told her, I was like, I think you, you know, you might have a case. And I know a lot of times the EEOC, they'll ask if you followed your protocol and gone to HR or what have you. Um, and essentially they were like demoting people and taking their money with no like justification or reason. And there were other people who were doing half the work, not actually not even half the work. They weren't doing much of anything, but they steadily got promoted. And part of that was because they didn't have any integrity. They lied on people. Um, Cause actually that same person fast forward ended up lying on me when I was a supervisor and I was like, I can't believe this man did this, but I should have known because he had lied on her before. And I remember telling her, if he, if the company can do this to you, they can do it to me, not realizing that it was going to happen a year later. So mm. I, it was really rough. And I remember praying about it. And my uncle had um, actually sued a, a, a major company. I won't say any company names. And he won the case, but it took years because he was the one that I called um, because my other uncle was like, oh, you know, you might want to talk to him because he dealt with something similar with regard to being with regard to being discriminated against, and it took a few years. And he was like, I'm just going to let you know it can get expensive, and um, the fact of the matter is they're going to do everything to try to cover their butt. They will even lie and make up stuff to try to make you look bad, which I knew because I had seen it in action. I I literally, when I was a supervisor, a manager asked me to put something in someone's file, so put a letter, a memo in their file claiming that I talked to him about something so he could get fired. And I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not. Like, I don't I don't care. And shortly thereafter, between that and another situation in which a different manager tried to tell me something that I knew was wrong, she didn't want to pay, pay me to work on a holiday. And I was like, well, either I said, my understanding is you get a comp day or you get, you know, paid. She got upset, and I was demoted two weeks later. And mm. I went to the meeting with the regional vice president, with the, um, no, the assistant vice president, a director, and two managers. The one manager who lied on me, she kept saying, you would probably disagree. And I said, you know I would disagree because you're lying. I said, how is it that I'm, a, like, this is a numbers company. I'm the only one in the meeting with numbers. You have no proof of anything that you're saying, which is why they didn't let me go from the company. And then they left me in my role for a while told me if I was that horrible of a supervisor, you wouldn't have done that. And then they denied me a 360 survey to get results from or to get feedback from my team because they knew what the feedback would say, that I was one of the best supervisors in the department. So I was like, it's really funny to me that they tried to block all those things. But fast forward, I remember praying about it, and I had a feeling like just let it go for now. And I'll say that God allowed all those people to be my stepping stone. And at the time, I was really frustrated, and I didn't. I felt like, you know, I had started filling out the EEOC paperwork, and I talked to my uncle, and then I had a dream about it. And the dream was very clear. It was like everything that I told the EEOC, they went back and told the company. So then the company prepared a case against me. And fast forward, like more recently with the stuff I have seen with executives at the top level and some stuff that was like really wrong and crazy, 
um, because I, I feel like I've seen so much that I, like, the company, even if they had a job, I wouldn't go back because I've seen too much. And when I talked to, like, the attorneys, I told them the truth. Um, but a lot of times the people who do stand up for what's right get blackballed. So the people in HR who stand up, they don't want them there. I talked to a young lady who worked in the EEOC department. She was like for a situation, another situation I had that happened. I had my proof. I went to them and I was waiting on the company to make a move because I was like, they would be stupid to do what I think they're going to do, but they never did it. And she said, they're covering their tracks right now because when I called them out in my meeting and I said, I need to see proof, I need to see job descriptions. If you're telling me you're going to hire this man with less experience than, than me, I've been doing the job. You're going to ask me to train him and you're going to make him my manager? Absolutely not. I said, I need a copy of the job description. It took them three weeks to get me the job description. Then when they hired him, they ended up hiring him at the same level as me, but he did less work than I did. They replaced me with four people. And the young lady who worked in EEOC at the time was like, I'm telling you, right now what they're doing is they're covering their tracks because you got them. And so she was like, don't file anything yet because what she was like, you have to wait and see what they do because they're trying to cover themselves. And it was clear as day that that's what they were doing. They were trying to backtrack what the manager had told me so that I couldn't sue them because they knew I would have won. But I also needed information from them. So in my pursuit of information, they were able to kind of circumvent the lawsuit. Mm. And see, at least you, and see, that's what I think we don't do enough is we don't speak up. So at least, and I know it takes time to get there because I know me personally, I, I'm just kind of that way. Oh, I was that way. I'm I'm getting a lot better in in all areas of my life, and not allowing things to simmer. The only thing I need to simmer is right. my food warm when I eat it. But any other <laughs> issues, um, problems, the the longer it simmers, the harder it is to deal with because now the person that should have been or person or people that should have been called out on something long ago, they um, they they feel like you're just going to accept it. And when you don't, like Tamara, like you said, then you, you really become the, the one that's going to be blackballed because there's more people not doing anything than, than there is people that are doing. I mean, just pay attention when you go out. And, again, this is just in general. I am so amazed by the number, by the companies that are okay with people having their cell phones while they're working. Like, we were being checked out, and I'm going to call this one out. We were being checked out at Lowe's one afternoon, and this girl literally had her phone on top of her register looking at a live video on Facebook while she was checking us out. I've seen people while my food, and I will tell them, you are not going to get your phone and fix my food. I tell them now, if they ring me up and they go back there to fix my food, now if I don't see it, I can't say anything about it. But if you're going to ring right. me up, touch all this money and everybody before me, and think you're going to go over there and fix my food, I don't care if you got tongues or not, because they will pick up the 
paper, like if you're going, I, I, the last episode I had, I was going to get chicken. And they put the paper, they picked the paper up with their bare hands, put the paper in there, and then got the tongs to put my chicken. Well, you might as well, you, you might as well use your fingers. You just touch the, the, the wax paper with your fingers and put it in the box. I've, I've seen, I mean, it's crazy, and we wonder why we're so sick. I actually saw this girl drop, drop the paper, that wax paper on the floor, pick it up, and put it in my box, and going to put my chicken in there. Really? Ew. And I, and I, really, baby, are you serious? I said, I would hate for you to see what you do when I'm not sitting here looking at you. Really. And I, I oh, made wow. her get another box. And called and complained. And and it's not that I want anything and they're off your No, I don't I just want you to make sure your people do what they're supposed to do. And we won't have we won't have this situation. But I think that so much is not being um forced in the workplace because if a manager if a, if a manager gets the opportunity to um Insist that you are doing your job, and that his his or her department is going to run with be ran with integrity. That there is no favoritism, there is no color here. We have a job to do. We are not going to agree on everything, but what we are going to do is keep a professional attitude, and we're going to get what we need done. We're going to have. Um, the proper procedures. We're gonna know what what is expected of us, and when situations come up that we don't have anything for, we're gonna create one. You know, but that doesn't happen, and I think the reason why because if a manager is is involved, for a manager to see that he or she has to be involved. And most people are not working. When they go in, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on Snapchat, they're on whatever else. Their phones are in their back pockets for a reason. So I think for the average, it really is. For the person who goes to work for eight hours, they're probably doing three hours of work. And and they, they don't want to do that. So it is a twofold situation. Um, it's like, you know, but managers seem to be more, or those who are over and who are leading, whatever, they tend to go with the ones, not the Tamarias and not the Tammies, who want to come in and have a, a. and, and again, no job is going to be without the conflict. <laughs> a peaceful, yeah, whatever that word is, Tamari, we're looking for, but a peaceful um work environment, again, not without conflict, because, again, I think conflict is how companies grow, because if you have conflict now, you know that there's an issue, and now you get to come up with, um, what do they call that, what is the operation, um, what is that called, PO, what is it called, Samaria? So what, like, are you talking about procedures or something? Something, something. I'll think of it before we before we get off. But um, so I so I go back to say it's a twofold situation. However, there are people that are in situations 
today. They were in there yesterday, and they're going to be in there three, four years from now because it's very hard to leave a job. It's very hard to get to that point where you say, I can't do this anymore, or that you say, I'm going to speak up because in most cases you're doing it alone. And that's where the buyout or the sellout comes in because at some point you have to make a decision. If I say something and I'm offered um, a buyout, what is what what am I gaining? And and I, and like I started out, buyouts usually mean that there is more than one person gaining. Um, and I think when we accept buyouts um, or payouts or whatever you might want to call it or promotion. Um, it doesn't change anything for the people behind us. And that's how I started to look at life um, when I went through my ordeal was my son, my African-American son, my, my, my colored-skinned son is going to have to fight the same world. How dare I be quiet? How dare I I see what's blatantly before me and be okay with it? How dare I? And that's kind of what that was my that was my that was my motivation. I mean, and and myself as well, but when I thought about my son having to come up and deal with it, now did I save him from it? Absolutely not. But at least he saw me saying that, you know what, I, I'm i not putting up with this. At least he saw me doing that. And I hope that has something to do with his, his um, gosh, I don't know what you call it, because he's, he's, he's so far beyond how I was at his age, because at that age I was I was still kind of putting up with it. But he kind of went into the workforce like, I ain't putting up with this BS. I don't know what y'all doing. And so at least I hope that, that how I decided to look at it and try to deal with it um, helped. But I went through a long process of waiting. I just thought, surely, surely these people who, and I'll be honest with y'all, who say they love God, I hear them talking about going to church on Sundays and staying there and, and this and that, and they come back and they let people just trample all over people. It's so and, true, or they'll laugh to your face. Yes, yes. And so it link. got to a point, I mean, it went on for years, and I thought, I can't, how dare I sit here? How dare I not speak up? Whatever comes after that, how, but if I don't, oh, no, if I don't, how can I go home and continue to sleep and tell the children behind me, oh, you know, go get a good job and just do your work and, and you're going to be treated fairly? No. I can't say that. That is true because that's, that's not how it works. It's not, Tamara. It's unfortunately, and it's getting worse. And I think I think we will start we will definitely see more buyouts than anything because people 
by the time you get to that point, unless you just, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've known one, one girl in particular I can think of, and I won't call her name, but she was a fireball. She didn't let anything, anybody, matter of fact, she ended up walking out one day and the, the words she said, I can't even repeat them on this, on this show, but as she walked out, you know, and, but she was just that way, and they kind of tiptoed around her, um, but at the same time, they were trying to make her quit, At the, you know, at the same time, but I don't think they was expecting the exit to go like it did, so it just, it, and they it was, will put you to quit. They will, and they did her. And, and, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's not, you know, I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because, you know, she was just this fireball, and she was, she from the day I walked into that place, she never took anybody's. But she was one of the most hardest working people. If you if If you gave her an assignment, she was going to do it. To I mean, in the most superb way, her work was awesome, and I guess I guess that's what made her. She's she's probably like I do my job. You have no reason to be here with this small stuff, and she did. She would do her job well and do it so quick until it left them thinking like you. Now we could just we could just give her all these accounts then and da da. She's like, no, you have many more workers here that's doing nothing. You need to get them on ball, on the on the road, you know, to doing their job. You give me what you want me to do, I'm going to do it, and that's it. But instead, they would let these people kind of dangle and go outside and smoke 10 times a day for 15 minutes a day, come back in, and, you know, by the time they really get going work, it's time to go home. Where she sat at her desk all morning, worked, did her stuff, She's got it all mapped out. So they wanted to give her extra work. She was like, absolutely not. You got people here doing nothing all day long but smoking and going to the bathroom. That's what she said. It is kind of crazy, but you get rewarded with more work when you do more. Because, like, a lot of times, and, like, with me being pregnant now, I sit at my desk way too much. I know people on my job who are like, you can do half of what I'm doing and you would still be doing more than me. And I'm sitting here like, well, I don't want to hear that. Like, I'm doing my job. Like, I'm trying to be there for my team, trying to make sure they're being developed, support them, following up on stuff I said I'm going to follow up on. Like, most of the time I leave work, I have like a 1,000 steps. But there's people on the job who are getting like 10,000 steps in a day at work. I'm like, how are you doing that? Like, like, how is that even possible? Because I'm sitting at my desk, like, reading emails, following up with my team, like, walking the floor, whatever. And I'm like, how in the world do you have that much free time on your hands? Yeah, yeah. And, and usually it's but walking back. <laughs> yeah, having conversations that are not about work. And, and, and you know, sure, do we, do we have to just kind of have those days, some days that we – we talk a bit more to our coworker than we did, but my gosh, you know, not 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 even five, six smoke breaks that are gonna last ten, fifteen minutes long. Then you go to lunch as well. Like you've had your lunch. It was cigarettes, you know. And so, and then the people that are Pretty there much. work. 
they become frustrated because, again, like the situation I was saying, they they want to give you more work. And it's just, and, and, and my point in the manager or those who are or leaders, that if you are, if, if they are on their job, then they should see, they should be aware of that. Because I, I truly see it, but I don't. Oh, sorry. You, you think they see it, but, but what, Samaria? I think they don't care. It depends on who the person is because I see it at my current job. Certain people who work whenever they feel like it, like they legitimately can be offline the majority of the day and work remote. But if I were to be like remote on an off day or something, because they're remote full time, there will be something said about it. Or this person continually has something to say about what I'm doing when I manage my projects very well. I send weekly updates. Like, I'm on top of my game, and I've been complimented by both my team and subject matter experts, um, clients, and they still try to find something to say about what I do when half the people don't even do half of what I do, and they don't bother them at all. And so it really makes me wonder. I'm like, they take smoke breaks. They do what they want. They log in when they want. They log off when they want. They come in after me, leave before me, and nobody has anything to say. But yet right. you question the person who works the hardest. Mhm. Right. The person who's going to stay, you know, when something needs to be done. If, if something comes up, hey, we need to pull some people together for this, that person. It's like those people are taken advantage of. But I can say, I, I think to Mary that it is, we have to take people like us or people like the people that we're talking about, we have to take some responsibility. And that's what I, I mean by those experiences or experiences like that has led me to a point where I just cannot, I can no longer be quiet or let things simmer. You know, I have to speak up. And it's how you speak up, To We have to be respectful. We have to be professional. But the point needs to we we have to get that point across. We cannot um, let it go. So that's important. And I think, go ahead, Tamari. I don't think we do that enough. Back to you, Tamari. Oh, I just have a question for you. Have you found that that always works? Because I'm always big on being tactful and diplomatic and figuring out how to address it. And sometimes I will address it because a lot of times I get the, the emails, and then they've copied everybody on it to try to call me out. And when I reply, like, prime example, I was the only project manager who had updated all of my projects for first quarter to show actual budget data compared to plan. Now, mind you, they made a decision to lay off two people on my team and not tell me until the morning of that they were laying them off. So I had a lot of stuff I was dealing with that week. So one of the directors felt that it was important to, like, send out this email and put me on blast and say, Tamaria, did you update your project? Meanwhile, I'm staying there that night. It's about 630. I was like, let me just have, let me look through all of the projects to see if everybody else has updated theirs. Why did I find 39 projects, all of which belong to the other managers, directors who have been gone for the day? For a few hours, 
none of them were updated. So I responded to everybody, including, like, the head of our department that was CC'd on that email. I pointed it out and said, I think we need to clarify this process because I have stayed here to get this done per your request, even though I sent you a separate email letting you know what was going on with my team before this this email came out. And I kid you not, no one responded, not one person. And that happens a lot. When they try to put people on blast and make you look bad, they want to put it in the email. But then when you respond and you correct them or you show that, like, they have wrong information or whatever the case is, I found that in my company they just don't respond. But I know they see it. And then I bring it up again. I'll speak up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, they'll just try to brush it under the rug. And it's like, no, if you're going to hold me accountable for mine, how in the heck is it that I have found 39 projects, my directors included, that had not been touched? Mm. And I'm like, and see, I think it goes back. To, I think it goes back to what that you the, the fact is that you did you did reply, and you had evidence. You're, you're pointing facts. I won't say evidence. You have facts. And that's why we don't allow things to simmer. We have to get to a point because really the buyout or sellout, I won't say it's not important. It's the in-between because whether you, t- right. whether you get to a point where you have to make a choice about the buyout or the sellout, what have you did in between that has led you to this point to where you have to I guess be put in this position and I would rather get here and look back and say I I did what I, my work was never compromised and that's what I always try to do because my work to me speaks for me I come in and do my work because and I'm I'm kind of just stubborn and I'll just say this other word because it is I'm prideful in that sense I don't want you to think I'm coming here and want your money without giving you what what you exchange for this money. I work, you give me my right. money. And so I always kept my integrity where it came to my work. And even with those who um, I've had supervisors just for whatever reason, especially when coming here, I felt like, Crazy enough, and and I am I am that person who I don't want to be called a good black mother. I don't want to be called a good black anything. Just let me be a good whatever it is. I don't know why, but I right. don't like the category to categorize because I think once we we start to especially put people in category, we're already headed for the wrong. I mean, it's a, it's a disaster. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be categorized black, white, or whatever before anything that you're you're putting me in. But okay, that's the world. But I always try to keep the integrity and and treat people, even those who I felt just didn't like me because of the color of my skin and for my drive. I, I when I came here, I had black people, and I'll say mainly black women, and I had white. The 
seemingly to me, the black women will look at me like, well, who does she think she is? And why is she taking all these classes? Because anything offered to me for free that I can take that is going to help me grow in whatever area, I was on it. I don't care what I had to do. Oh, I can take this class, take it free? Okay, I'm going. So that meant I'm going to take classes after work, sometimes on my lunch break, whatever. I was doing it. And so I felt like I was in, oh, my gosh, a, a, a constant storm. Like who does she think she is from both sides? Like you're supposed to come here, accept the position, although now it's being offered. Accept the position because they would come up with, I would come up, there would be excuses or or things that would come up. Well, I'm not sure, you know, you'll be able to take that because of this, that, and other. That's no problem. I'll stay late and make sure that all my work is done. I still want to go take this class. And so you see it. It's so, it's just so obvious. It had become so obvious. And unfortunately, it just, it wasn't a black-white issue all the time. It was, it was, it was on both sides. And so I can remember, um, I had one supervisor who I knew despised me. Like I could, and it, it wasn't any reason at all for this particular one. Um, and I just remember praying about her, and I just felt that the need to go go to her to her particular office every morning because I had to pass right by it to get to the break room, and I would go and stop every morning for a while. And make her talk to me. I would say good morning, da da da. How was your night? Da da. And so she couldn't, of course, you know. And it got a little better as time went on. But I just wanted her to know that I cannot like you just as much as you don't like me. But I can. We can have a conversation. We can converse about life because that's probably what you need, you know. And it's probably what I need. We're not going to go home and go in the same house and sleep in the same bed or, or even in the same house. But guess what? We have to be here every day for at least seven to eight hours a day. You have to see my face. So you might as well learn to like it because if you don't, you're going to be miserable. And that, to me, I think it boils down to even more now than then and as when I was going through my ordeal um, that people have become more more miserable with their own life. And so that's another thing. When you show up at work and it's perceived that you don't, that you're happy um, and that you don't have problems, which that, that was so far from the truth, it would be now and it was then. When when you show up, you want to do your work, you want to take advantage of opportunities, you want to grow, you want to have um, meaningful conversations, you really want what's best for the company because if you don't, then why am I here? Like if I'm coming in every day to work for someone and I'm not doing my job, then where do I think this company is going to go? And if the company doesn't go anywhere, how am I going to grow within the company? But people don't look at it like that. They will come prepare, come to work prepared to be miserable for eight hours a day. 
and they will be more miserable when they leave because probably half of those hours now are spent on social media. And we've already said what social media does. It'll send you into comparing yourself, wanting this job, thinking this person has a better job, and you're now you're mad because you're at your job looking at this job. So I just think people have become more lost, which is now, again, why I say thinking about the nine to five, it would have to be the, I mean, the environment that that is like none other, I will say. And I keep thinking now that I'm going to have to maybe find, and I, don't, I, I pray that it would be better, like maybe I need to go work at a church or something. At least I can say, my, my, my godly people, really? At least I can bring out the Bible, you know? But I can't see myself right now. I cannot see myself dealing with people day to day, the people that, that, the things that I have seen and the things that I hear about now. I just don't know how, how good I will be. But. If I'm put in that situation again, I, I I would have to, I don't know, buy out or sell out. I don't know. I don't know. Back over to you, Tamari. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a company really, like, unless it's a class action suit. And my company, the the one I used to work at, ended up being sued for, like, overworking people in the office I came from. Um, and then it's funny because it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court tried to they they the company wanted the Supreme Court to overturn it, but they had people working crazy hours because they were exempt. So that's probably the only time that I've probably seen like maybe a buyout because they did eventually people who were part of the lawsuit didn't get a whole lot of money um, because it was spread out across the masses. What I've seen most is that people will get a settlement for their own individual cases. And to your earlier point, that doesn't really make any change occur within the organization. Um, But I I don't know. I feel like it's probably the same across the board, and it all boils down to who's in leadership and the people you're working with. And you said something interesting that my mom said today. She was like, I think it is that people who don't have a good disposition – like, they get jealous of people who do. And like you said, they might assume you don't have any problems. Because I come in every day, I'm positive, I do my job, but there's a lot of people who are, like, really negative, have a bad attitude. Like, even when stuff is crazy, they, like, let it show, they get flustered, they yell at people, or what have you. And when you have a calm demeanor, I think they are partly jealous, which is why people act the way they do. They'll never admit that they're jealous, but that's probably what's driving them to treat certain people a certain way. And um, to your point, I try not to say that race has anything to do with it either, but in some cases it is pretty clear. Like where I am now, I'm the only minority manager, (laughs) and sometimes I feel like I have been singled out um, for things that other people get a pass on. or the same thing. So, prime example, if a Caucasian male yells in a meeting, he's he, it's deemed as he's passionate. If a black woman raises her voice to match that of a Caucasian male, well, she's told she's being too sensitive or she's being aggressive or defensive. But nobody addresses 
the person who was the aggressor. Mm. So that recently happened to me as well. And I went straight, I went to HR, um, I had a meeting with them, and me and there was another young lady who told the truth about what happened in the meeting when I was yelled at. And what how they tried to describe it was, oh, he was just, he was just exasperated. I said, "Well, if that's the, the behavior that you accept me, that you expect me to tolerate, I said I'll quit. I said I deserve to be respected." And I told that man in that meeting, I said, "Don't you ever raise your voice at me again." I said, "I'm not your child. I'm here to work and do my job." I said, "Meeting trying to help you get these projects done for this client, and you're yelling at me, and I will not tolerate it." And so. Because I like I stood up for myself, and then I went to HR, and supposedly the president and CEO of the company is supposed to go around and talk to everyone about respectful communication. Because I said, you know, this situation is bigger than me because it has happened to other people, but nobody stands up. I stood up for myself, and then when I met with HR, I told them I don't want this to just be about my situation because I've already said my piece. But I said for all the people who don't speak up or who are afraid to speak up. I said, I feel like the company needs to do something about it. I received an email from them saying that something would be done. But to this date, they still haven't, the CEO and the president have not come and talked to anyone in the department. And they just recently sent out a survey. I'll put a whole bunch of stuff on the survey, a whole bunch of questions, and it's stuff I talked to them about in my meeting. And I'm like, if you're not going to do anything about it, don't ask for opinions. Because you're showing mm. your associates you're mm. not Wow. You don't it's so scary. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Let me ask you this. And you can you can you can pass if you want if you want to. Mm-hmm. If if you were put in the in the position today, if they said, Samaria, you know, you're a great worker but you're just not the right fit for this company, we'd like to offer you a compensation to just cut our ties and, and, and let go. Would you consider it? If And if, if you do want to answer, um, why or why? Well, one, they're cheap, so I doubt they would do that, but um, if, if they would, I probably would consider it because I'm looking for another job now. Just being honest, like I and I told my, you know, I told my director because we've had a lot of turnover. I said I understand why people are leaving. I said the culture of this company doesn't lend itself to making people want to stay. I said the company told us this is what's going to happen. Like me and the executives said, oh no, we're not going to lay off, and they laid off. I said so you broke the trust of the people at that point when you did what you said you weren't going to do, and then you said you have money left over to do some other things, but yet you lay people off. And I said, I get sometimes those types of decisions need to be made, but I would have rather them say, you know what, we're not sure, rather than to be to say with 100% certainty, we know we're going to do this, and then you do the opposite. Um, and then furthermore, not addressing things that come up. So I probably would entertain it. I would talk to Rodney about it. Um, but then I think I would, and actually, I, I, depending on what it was, like in terms of me leaving, because I think they probably would leave me alone for now. Not to say that they won't let me go in the future, because I think how they would do it is they would just try to lay me off so that it didn't look like it was racial. But I'm the only minority in leadership in my whole department. Hmm. 
so it's really it, it would be really weird because I know that there are people there that don't do their jobs. So if anything, they should be laid off, not me. But because I have, um, I'll go ahead and say it. I guess I've officially rocked the boat. <laughs> even in my performance, my performance review, which is hilarious, even to like read it. But my director, because a lot of times he gets stuff too, but it's not directly from him. But they all talked about how great I was doing and all these things. But he even put in my performance review that people, executives, directors, and other people are concerned about my documentation because I take copious notes. But most of the time, I would be able to communicate my position without delving into all the documented information and the whole backstory of the issue. It's good that she takes note, especially in a climate where outside of our department, finger pointing is becoming more and more prevalent. So you recognize the fact of why I'm doing what I'm doing because I have been burned because I can't trust the people I work with. And all they want to do is point fingers and lie. So, yes, I do document a whole bunch of stuff. But obviously in the rest of my performance review, it's all great things. Like she's a great leader. She's managed all the she's managed eighty two projects within cost and on schedule. I give her high marks for leadership. Like I like how she worked with her team, like all these great remarks. But the people at the top are scared because I take note of things because of the things I've seen and the fact that I was lied on the I think I had been with the company two months. And this one director felt it was okay to lie on me, and I had proof of everything. And when I sent the proof to the president and other people, they didn't want to read it. But you you would rather listen to her lies than read the truth. Mm. So I already know <laughs> that if they could get me out, they would, because I'm more of a threat to them. Because, one, I'm a minority because they've already been sued because they, they fired another minority without just cause because some people complained about her because they wanted to hire someone else. So they fired her. She came in one day. They had never talked to her about her performance or anything, and they let her go. No warning came in, and they gave her, they asked her to leave. She has since sued the company and won, which I heard about. Like, she didn't tell me. I heard it from some other people who were talking, like, oh, yeah, apparently she sued the company and they're settling now, which is why they started tiptoeing around um, performance issues. But what they did was they laid off people who had performance issues and they covered it up under under the guise of layoffs instead of firing them. Right. So do you think, like, how much do you think changes within a company um, or workplace after someone sues them? Do you, 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 just from your looking back, um, do you you remember recognizing some change? And if so, how consistent was it or did it last longer than, you know, a month? Um, it's temporary, meaning they're careful right after, but then they slip back into old habits. It's like most of us, like even for me, like thinking about weight loss, I slip back into old habits. So it's the same thing I think for a lot of these companies. They do what they have to do for the meantime. So the reason that they were scared to like 
terminate people before or do anything was because this one young lady was in the process of litigating against the company. So what they did was they changed their actions temporarily. But I'm like, if you're a liar, you're probably always going to be a, be a liar unless something happens to change your heart or, like, you begin praying and ask God to heal you of that. But a lot of times I've seen it go back. One of my VPs at my last company, he was the biggest bully. He was, like, he was clearly racist. He was sexist. He had issues with a lot of people and more, like, there were so many complaints about him. My last director walked out and quit for bullying. What the company keeps doing is paying people off, paying people off. They have finally, just this year, removed the five departments from under him. Why did it take all these years? He's been with the company 30 years, so I think they were just like, okay, well, he's more valuable to us than all these people because of the institutional knowledge that he has. But they have lost so many employees, myself included, because, like you said, when you made the decision to leave, that was my break, that was my breaking point. Me and him got into it so bad one night that I was like, either I'm gonna punch him in his face, and I'm going to jail, or like, or either they're gonna fire me. Because literally, he was staring at me like he wanted to punch me, and I was waiting for him to do something stupid. Like, we were yelling and everything in his office that night. And I was like, you know what? This is not healthy. I was like, he is ridiculous. No one stood up to him. I was, like, the only one to stand up to him. And I think they thought, oh, Tamari is so nice. She's going to, like, put up with it. I'm sorry. He will not yell at me. He will not throw things. Like, he used to throw pins and stuff, like, by people's heads and, like, across the table and slam on the desk. I'm sorry. You will not disrespect me or anyone that I'm working with, not in my presence. Other people let you get away with it, but I will not. And I don't care what your title is. It can be CEO. And I told him one day, I said, respect should be given regardless of title. I said, you should demonstrate what you expect. And he looked at me like I was stupid, but I didn't care. I didn't care about his title. You, I said, you put your pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. I said, so if you want respect, you need to give it. And I told and HR... Like everything, and they did nothing. When is too? And see, now that that was beyond like time to go to EEOC, and that's another thing. I think people we don't um, because it is a dip, being one who went through it. It is a difficult, challenging process, and to this day, when I look back, I wonder again. What was in me to to help to make me keep going? But I was determined that I had to do something. It was so, I mean, it was so in your face until I had not, I would not have been able to deal with myself. I, I mean, it would have made me, I, I would have lost respect for myself. And so that's a good question. Like, what is what is too far? Because what I just heard from that situation, that was far it too was far. Crazy. Like Some that could have like to me, it was other people, and they wouldn't stand up for themselves, and that pissed me off because I had talked to the attorneys about him, and the company did not do anything, and I was so angry because I had talked to attorneys about this man's behavior, and they did nothing because the people who he did it to would not stand up. 
And when he did that stuff to me, I stood up for myself and I went straight to HR. And shortly thereafter, I was gone. I was like, I'm not putting up with this crap. Like, I'm done with, like, and if HR is not going to do anything, I'm done with this company. Uh, like, officially done. Because a lot of the stuff, I will say that I do take on other people's burdens. But, like, the throwing things and slamming his fist on the desk, he never did that to me. But I know even his assistant, he threw a pin by her head. He he was frustrated, and he threw it, but, it like she said, it just missed her head. She has since left the company, too, because guess what they did? They let her go when she was pregnant because he was mad at her. Like, who does that? I'm like, like how I don't understand the company now because they realize, hey, if people knew which company this was and they knew how much crap people put up with, but it's it like I was fighting a battle for people who wouldn't fight a battle for themselves. I was the only one who would stand up against him. And if he did stuff, if he yelled at the secretary in my presence, I would quickly address his behind. If Like if he yelled at my director, because she wouldn't stand up, but I would because I was like, and I told him one day, I said, she'll let you talk to her like that, but you will not disrespect me. So he knew to tread carefully when talking to me. Mm. And a lot of times they would cover themselves so that I wouldn't have the proof I needed. But some stuff I did have, but some of it wasn't recorded. And I knew the cowards that I worked with weren't going to stand up and tell the truth because they were scared. They want, they needed their job. So instead of them telling the truth about how this man acted, I talked to the attorneys. I told them the truth, and they still didn't do anything. Mm. And 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 Tamari, that it comes down to um, for everybody that's listening. It, it everything I think goes right back to knowing who you are, understanding who you are, and how can I say this without contradicting because it's going to sound like I'm contradicting what we really stand for. Um, So knowing, understanding, and I'm going to say it like this, and having a, a um, business, out, not a business plan, a life plan. Within that yes. life plan, there are things that we just ought to know the answers to. Like, keep it simple. If I'm with, if I'm with Tamaria and Tamaria says, now Tamaria's not going to say this, I know this, but Tammy, let's rob this bank. I already know I'm going to look at her like she has flat foot lost her mind. I already know I'm not doing it. We don't need to discuss it. I don't want to hear your plan. Matter of fact, can you take, no, don't take me home. Drop me right off into this bus station. And I'm going to catch up and call Uber. I already know this. And this should be, this is the way that we should become in life. When I say allow life to be, because life's going to happen. But for every yes. circumstance, every trial, every tribulation, that every, everything that you feel challenges you, make you feel some kind of way, it sends your emotions flying high and you feel some kind of way about it, ask yourself, ask yourself, 
for what if or what is this about? Is it about the situation only? Is it about me growing? Is it about God's glory? And you may not always have the answers right then, but if you just allow life to play itself out, keeping keeping yourself intact, keeping your integrity face forward, um, reminding yourself of who who you are and who you serve in this world. Because to answer the, the last question, I do feel like society and the nature of people make it so easy for us to be selfish and want to do do the want to do only what's necessary for me and the people that I love to grow, to move forward. And sometimes it's even hard to think that way about the people you love because sometimes they and and again, it's sometimes about us too, but sometimes the people you do the most for in your life and that you want the absolute best for are your people who challenge you the most because in most cases, those people, even those people, and you know they love you, but even they will take it, seemingly take advantage of you or expect right. things of you because, oh, oh, Tamari will do it, oh, Tammy will do it, and almost without regard. Like, I can, you know, I don't even have to, I can do this shit because she's going to do it, you know. And so I have to remind people sometimes that, Oh, you didn't get the memo. I'm no longer that Tammy. You can't just do that. You just can't. You know, now I know things come up, but sometimes right. people will use will will use you up and want you to wring yourself dry, put yourself on the shelf for the next time they're ready to use you up. Period. That's people we work with people we come across, people we know very well, people who've been in our lives forever, we've become so self-centered, so selfish, and so worldly um, geared, I guess, or moved by, until it's hard to find that person who is going to, if nothing else, at least, See how much you do, how far you will go um, when needed, when necessary. How much you will, how 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 you will even see things before, like you will try to prevent things in the workplace, in the home. Those people, those people, are oftentimes the ones who find themselves. Um, getting the last stick, so to speak. And so you almost have to be reminded of for such a time as this. And you almost have to, and that's, for those of you that's, I'm sure you know, the Esther story, um, the, the story of Esther, and it's Esther 4, chapter 4. Um, for such a time as this, you know, and who 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 am I? Sometimes I have to say that to myself. You know, who knows? Tamar, who knows? But you have come, 
and, and, and it says to your royal position for such a time as this. And I'll say anytime you ask yourself these questions, God, how can I glorify your kingdom, your word, in this trial, in this tribulation, in this situation, in this circumstance? How, how can I be a vessel, an employee for you during this time? Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's not easy. But anytime you find yourself asking those questions, I see the position as royal. Now, do I pass this test every time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, and I kind of figure that's why I don't want to go back in the workforce because I won't be, I will be really verbal in a loving way, in a respectful way, but in an honest way. And I, I wouldn't be able to work for any company who does not allow um, open communication about um, standard operate, operating procedures, I would say. That's a good one, SOPs. That's what I think I was trying to come up with before. Because how do you grow? Because sometimes you're able to see things, especially because you're doing it. You're 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 in the meat. You're you're you you know you know what I can cook a hamburger by somebody just giving it to me. But if I'm the one making it up, you may get that hamburger. You may like it, and you want to know the in- ingredients. You may get it, and you may not like it. But guess what? If I know the ingredients, I know the work that was put into it. I know the taste that you might be tasting that you don't like if you describe it to me. And so those are your workers. Those are the people that pull it all together. So why wouldn't a company want to hear everybody that touches any part of that uh, standard operating procedure or processes? It's a company that, that truly is an egotistic company. It's, a, it's, it's managers who are... I'll say that word, narcissist, whatever that word is, you know it to marry. So it really comes back to us knowing who we are and interviewing interviewing the, the companies that we are being interviewed by. Like, ask those questions. State what you – to me, I ran into a young man while traveling. We were in Jacksonville, Florida. And he was so, you could tell that he was a really nice guy. And, but you could tell he was out of his element because you, you could see that he was a nice young man, but he wasn't portraying that. We weren't getting that. It was, you could get some animosity, some frustration. So I've gotten to the point when I go out to eat, if that is my waiter or my waitress, i got to find out what's wrong with you because I'll tell them, my food doesn't taste right if you come out here with an attitude. It is on taste right. So I need to know what's going on. And you guys will not have, you will not believe the conversations. I've had waitresses and waiters give me their number. I've had some sit down. I've had some come back and say, thank you for asking what's going on with me. They'll tell me their problems, what they're going through. But it opens up. It, it, it helps us all because I don't want you bringing me my food looking like, you, if you would have dropped it back there, you you would have picked it up, put it back on my plate. 
like I, all kinds of things start to run through my head when I get that type of sweater. So I asked this guy, what is going on with you? Because it's obvious something is. And he said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I just started this job. And he said, and during the interview, I told these people, I need a peaceful environment. I need this, that, and other. He said, they assured me this is the type of company they were, and they are everything but. <laughs> and he went on and on and on. But he, and he says, and so I'm quitting. You're going to be my last customer. I'm walking out. <laughs> so it was just, you know, and he, I'm sure he did exactly that. He said, I know what I need. And I told them that, that what I needed in order to be productive and to do my job. And he said, they hired me anyway. And they're everything but what I said I needed. And it was those basic things that we should expect on a job. Direction, manage, leadership, you know, from a team. But those are the people, as you said, sometimes are the ones that are black balls, those who speak up, those who want um, things to be done equally. You know, it's, it's sad. And it ends up putting people in that position of buyout or sellout. But, but what determines the buyout and sellout? You know, selling out might just be leaving and saying, I'm out, I'm done with it. And then some people might look at that as a buyout. You know, I'm buying my buying into another company that's going to give me what I need. So it's really up to you guys. Um, I think we have a lot need. Let's see. Hey, John. Well, hello. Well, hello. Hi. Can you guys hear me? I'm trying not to talk too loud. <laughs> Did you get on the Yeah, quiet we can train? hear you. Tell every, hey, put us on phone. Say hello to everybody. Most of these people sleep. Oh, oh, wow. I told him don't get on the quiet train. Oh, no. I'm in the... <laughs> I'm in the middle of I'm in like the middle of the train, but oh my god, it's it's packed. Like <laughs> they gave us assigned seats when I got on him and asses. <laughs> what? Oh wow. Yeah, I had never heard of that. Yeah, the lady was like, Oh, go to the lady right there, she's gonna give you a ticket for your seat and I was like, What? <laughs> a ticket oh, for my wow. seat? Like I wanna sit where I wanna sit. <laughs> right. Well that's the thing, Ooh, you could funny. not. <laughs> you no, can't I'm sit where you thinking. want to sit. No, yeah, it's, it's, that, <laughs> it's that many people on this train. It's a lot of people. Oh, well, wow. Well, at least you're not by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably got about, I probably got about an hour and 45 minutes left. Okay, okay. Well, we've had yeah. a great time to make Step in again in your absence, so. um. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. We've we've had a good 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 talk about this one. Brought up some interesting things. Brought back some memories. I tell you, for me, for sure. Um, Rodney, anything you want to add? I don't know how much you've been able to hear, how long you've been on, but anything you want to say about the buyout sellout? Topic? I've only been off about I've only been off about five minutes, but I do um, want to uh, go back to something that um, I just heard you say, um, Tammy. Um, you know, when you were talking about um, the workplace and everything, um, as far as people interviewing the companies, um, that was one of the things that I learned when I was leaving Norfolk State. 
don't go into any job interview nervous because the same way you need a job, they need an employee. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a vacancy. So when you go into an interview, you don't want to be cocky, but you do want to be confident and let them know, you know, it, this is not somebody who's desperate for a job. So have your have at least two or three questions ready to ask them, and that way you know what you're getting yourself into. Because the last thing you want to do is work for an employer that is going to have you miserable every day or have you hating life every day because you're miserable at work because that's where we spend most of our time. Because you think about it, you're there eight hours a day. I mean, you spend a lot of time either at work or preparing to go to work. I totally, totally, totally agree. I don't know if we talked about the number of hours that we are there. I think we did to me. I'm not sure, but but we we really are like eight, at least eight hours. Um, if you count lunch, you know, sometimes um, maybe seven. But we spend the bulk of our time at work, preparing for work, leaving work. So when you think about it, if you are on a working a job that you despise with people that you don't get anything from, then even preparing for that for work is mm-hmm. is a spot on your spirit. Going there yeah. is a spot on your spirit. Being there, leaving there, and then thinking about you know Sunday night, you got to start it all over again. You know, but, so and, the and, buyout sellout is is all over it. Go ahead, Rodney. I'm sorry. Well, and if you think about it too, on Sunday, if you look on social media, what do you see most? Oh my God, tomorrow's Monday. Oh my God, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Oh my God, I hate Monday. Like you see all of these, like you know, regretful posts, and it's like, this is like where you spend your time. You know, and and really, if you think about it, people only have one day to enjoy themselves, and that's usually Saturday. Because Monday through Friday, you're working. Friday night, you're so tired, you don't feel like doing anything. So then you have all day Saturday, and then Sunday, you're preparing to go back to work. So why not go somewhere that you can be happy about going to? Why not have a job where you can be excited on Sunday, thinking about what you're going to do when you get to work on Monday? I, I agree. I agree. And then, you know, like, <laughs> you're right. Because it, we take it home. <laughs> Even when we're our home, we take it home. You know, that, that stress, the stress from from you know, workplace friction, I guess we'd call it, it takes over your life, really. It does. Mm-hmm. It it really does. And, again, if it didn't, you guys, we would not have, uh, if you just think about the number of cases recent recently of people going into these jobs, and, again, we don't condone that, but, the stress level, the stress has gone that far, and I and I bet you mm-hmm. someone 
sees these people that will that go to the extreme as I can't, they say, I cannot believe he did it. I cannot believe she did it. He's such a nice person. You know, <laughs> but it comes a time where people feel like I don't see how you guys don't get this or see this or how you're allowing this to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I I was looking at, um, it just seems like the way of the world has become that. And I remember this, this past weekend I saw, and it's so trivia, but I saw um, this deal, car dealership saying tent sale. And I just was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be so awesome if we didn't have to have sales, if things were just priced right from the beginning. You know, if if I didn't have to pay, you know, if your windshield is broken, if you use your insurance, oh, it could be $1,000, but if you don't use your insurance, it's what, $100? Like, okay, what, what changed here? Like, how, how the whole workplace and this game, this money situation has taken control of people? And it's insane. I agree. But um, I know you're on the train, and and I I have a story that was shared with that. It's a little bit long, but I want to share it, and if I don't get through all of it, I'll tell you guys where to go find it. Um, I found it very, very interesting when I first heard it, which was probably about a month ago. Um, and it's talking about good or bad. And um, if you really, it's one of those stories that, well, for me, I found myself really thinking deeply about this, like, oh, wow. Because so often when, and, and Rodney, I know you will appreciate it because you're one of those people, to me, it seems like you just kind of take life as it comes. Okay. Okay. Okay, that today, okay. Let's deal with it and let's move on. Whereas I feel like I will think my way through to, to people have solved it and it's over and I'm still thinking about it. I'm still trying to come up with another solution. Like, So the title of it um, is Who Knows What's Good or Bad? And it's by David G. Allen. Okay, so it says, for 200 years, humans have been accumulating wisdom. It's even in our name, Homo sapiens sapiens. The word sapiens comes from the Latin sapien, meaning to be wise. And all of and all of the ways we can accumulate wisdom, the most common, but not necessarily the most fun, is through experience. So it says we can accumulate wisdom through experience the good and bad things that happen in our lives, but there are other ways to gain wisdom. A more consistently enjoyable one is storytelling, and not just any stories, but the stories that speak to our human condition and that tell us what, what, are the pla- what our place in this world, what our place is in this world, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you one of those stories. Its origin is unknown, but it comes from the Taoist tradition, the T-A-O-I-S-T. I hope I'm saying that right. So it could easily be more than 2,000 years old. And even though that's about 
as old stories as old as stories get, this one is completely relevant to your life and how you can live in the future. It's a story of a farmer and his horse. And it has pictures, so I'll give you guys the link. It says, one day his horse runs away, and his neighbor comes over and says, I'm sorry about your horse. And the farmer says, who knows what's good or bad? The neighbor is confused because this is clearly terrible. The horse is the most valuable thing <laughs> owned. But the horse comes back the next day, and he brings with him 12 feral horses. The neighbor comes back over to celebrate. Congratulations on your great fortune. And the farmer replies again, who knows what's good or bad. And the next day, the farmer's son is taming one of the wild horses, and he's thrown and breaks his leg. The neighbor comes back over. I'm sorry about your son. The farmer repeats, who knows what's good or bad. Sure enough, the next day, the army comes through their village and is conscripting able-bodied young men to go and fight in the war. But the son is spared because of his broken leg. And this story can go on and on like that. Good, bad, who knows? But what's the point? Well, the meaning of that story is that the Western paradigm in which we label experiences good or bad, good or bad is wrong. It's a false dictomy. At the very least, the distinction between good and bad is not so clear. It's blurry. The tales have another way symbolized another way that symbolizes who knows what's good or bad, and it's in that old hippie chestnut, the yin and the yang symbol. We see black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, but it's fluid. One is melting into the other, even contained inside the other. These things aren't contradictory, they're complementary. They're two parts of a greater whole. There is, there is just what is. And it's good and it's bad. Now, what about the really bad stuff? And he goes on to name some of the things like 9-11, uh, cancer, global warming, um, slavery, all those things. He says, I'm not going to use who knows what's good or bad to defend any of these things, but I'm not trying to explain, to explain the world through who knows what's good or bad. I'm just arguing, arguing that it works as a personal philosophy. And as a personal stories and as personal stories go, former TED Talks are full of examples where people found good out of what seemed bad. And then there's pictures of people who, for instance, there's this climber that lost both of his legs and he became a better climber because of the prosthetics he invented. There's another story of there's the son of a terrorist whose father's actions led him to become a peace activist. And the stories go on and on. Um, the last one that I'll share, there's the woman with autism whose acute empathy for animals led her to create a more humane form of slaughter. And so to me, it just answers the question, Rodney, I'll go back to you, who 
I just perceive as not seeing good or bad, the good or bad in, in almost nothing or anything. Um, and when I heard this story, what just kept me going back was the, how it started with the farmer and what seemed to be bad, you know, at the time, you know, especially with the son. Well, son has a broken leg. They come for war, and he doesn't go. And I added to that because of the way I think, what if his leg wasn't broken and he would have gone um, to the war and became this successful person, not be killed? And then again, what if he was? We don't know. And it's really hard to determine or to call something bad that um, brings about so much good as well. You know, going back to that that person who lost their legs but invented um, a new way to walk for people, you know, a better way for people like him. And it's how we embrace each situation, going back to for such a time as this. Who knows if you're put in this position, in in this workplace, who knows if, if you're the one to create a movement in this moment. Or will, for your own good, for our own good, will we um, give in to this moment, eliminating the movement, so to speak? And I'll I'll just go back to those words helped me last Friday. Like, you know, are you willing to, to throw in the towel for this moment because of what's going on now and, and the movement that is coming behind all of this, the growth? You know, and so it's not always easy to think of it that way and to see things that way when you're the one um, in the fire or going through it. But it's like it says here, our wisdom comes from or through our experiences. And I say some of our greatest and hardest experiences. And those are the things that I think as a people we try to avoid because we want or think we have to have these perfect lives. And I say just the opposite. You look at some of the most successful people defining success as internally, not with things and stuff and all the worldly things, but that internal success, um, those are the people who have been the most challenged and has persevered through. So whether you consider yourself to be the buyout or the sellout or find yourself in that moment, it's like Tamara and I said, it's not really about the end. I kind of think it's what we do in the middle. You know, do we speak up? Do we speak up even for those ones who don't speak up for themselves? Or do we grow tired and weary and we throw in the towel and say, hey, I'm out. Um, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I'm out. And have we missed a moment to create a movement? And a movement is beyond just today and now and an argument or verbalizing something. It's it's demanding in a professional way that you hear me, at least you hear me. And what you decide to do with it is on you, but at least you hear me out. And, and that you do respect me, my work, my position, and you respect others in my presence. And so that's kind of where I I ended. I'm going to turn it back over to Rodney and Tamaria. Um, I would say I agree with everything that was said, and 
Uh, the one thing I was thinking even earlier, uh, right before Rodney had joined, was that what I learned in those situations is that I wasn't working for men because I used to look for more approval from them. And I'd say it took me a while. Like, I still, I think sometimes naturally you want to know that you're doing a good job, but I think I care less more about that than I did before because for the longest time I wouldn't say anything. I would let it fester. But now as soon as something happens, I address it right then and there with them. I'm like, I don't have time to play around anymore or waste time. And then, two, I feel like me standing up for myself um, and also for other people, like I don't let people belittle my team or make them feel any type of way, but it's because I know, like, I'm working in excellence. The Bible says work unto him, not to men. Um, And I understand why it says that because I swear, like, some people are just crazy. And I'm like, I don't understand it, and I probably never will. Um, And I know last week when we talked about the serenity prayer, I literally have that on my my work computer as my background. It is now my screensaver. So I can look at it every Uh day. So when crazy stuff comes up and people, like, just do, like, things that I just don't understand, I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is the world as it is, not as I would have it. Like, people are crazy, and it's okay. I'm going to still do my job. I'm still going to treat everyone with respect. I'm still going to come in every day with a smile and be positive, but I won't tolerate things that I feel that I shouldn't have to tolerate or anyone else. So I think standing up for yourself is probably the best thing you can do because if you don't teach people how to treat you, they'll just continue to walk all over you, especially if you're a nice person and you're someone who does. Try to do your job, and Tammy, you know from my personality assessment, I want to help the world. And because yep. people know that, I take advantage of it. And now I'm like, okay, fine. So I used to speak up all the time in my department for, like, the managers, but I found that none of them have my back, even when they know that maybe the directors are wrong or something comes up, but none of them speak up. They want me to speak up for for all of them, and I'm like, one, you guys have been here longer than I have, and you have a voice too. If you disagree, say something. Mm. Don't send me private emails and then talk to me about it if you won't bring it up to the directors. Like I One of the things. Emails. Oh, go ahead, Tybu. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. I was just going to say I've, I've received emails where people have asked me to say something, and I'm like, no, you can say something. Like, I can't fight all of their battles if they're not willing to fight it for themselves. I think I think that's a really good point. And I think people um, need to understand that we have a lot of power. We have more power than we realize. And the worst thing you can do is give your power away. And we do that when we allow fear to take over we do that when we allow people to silence us, when we allow people to pay us off, when we, um, you know, think about retaliation or repercussions rather than results. We allow our, our, our fear to cripple us or paralyze us. And I think that until we get out of that mindset, we're not going to see the change that we want to see. Because we can talk about change all we want, but we're not going to see it until 
we get out of our own way. And then, too, um, I'm one of those people, I think Tamari and I had this conversation recently, I don't have expectations for people. I don't expect you to do good. I don't expect you to do bad. I'm just sitting back waiting to see what you do because I don't think it's a good idea to expect people to treat me the way that I treat them. We're talking about human beings. I don't expect human beings to do the right thing. I don't expect human beings to be fair. I don't expect them to be honest. Now, when they are, that's great. But when they're not, it's like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting you to do anything anyway. And and so for me, you know, um, that's why it's easier for me to just go about my, my daily business every day, like, okay, whatever. Like, things are going to work. Whatever happens at work, that's pretty much where it's going to stay. I may laugh, joke about it later. I may talk about it later. I may, you know, tell Mary about it. I may share stories with teachers, you know, when I hang out with them. But it doesn't impact my life. Wow. We are working time with my wife. Huh? I said we are, I am working to get there. <laughs> you know, and Tamari will tell you, like, Same here. you know, we, 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 we talk, you know, because uh, Tamari, Tamari usually these work out that I do. And she'll tell you, like, she'll ask me, like, how was your day? I'm like, oh, it was good. You know, and, and, and I don't say a, say a whole lot. Some days I will. But, you know, what happens at work doesn't stop me from, if me and Tamari got plans to go out to eat, guess what? We're still going out to eat. You know, we, we have our shows that we watch on TV. Like, you know, I'll chill with the guys. I, it, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, no, you, you, you're not about to interrupt my life with your foolishness, <laughs> you know. And and I don't want people to, you know, expect, you know, things out of me. Now, am I going to give you the best that I've got? Absolutely. Should you expect the best i got? Nope. Because I'm human just like everybody else. And... One thing I stopped doing a long time ago is trying to live people's best life through me. Because people, especially when they're older than you, they realize the mistakes that they made. And then they try to, you know, live their best life through you. Uh Uh-uh. You made your mistakes. If you want to advise me or help me out, cool. But don't try to make me the you that you wanted to be 10 years ago or 20 years ago. That ship has sailed. I'm not that person. I'm not you. If you want to help me with the, the journey that I'm on, great. If not, you got to go. Because my peace is very important to me. Mm. And if I can, if I can't have my peace, and we got a problem, <laughs> you know. But that's that's just the way that I try to live. And I will give Tamaria credit. I think Tamaria um, is getting better at not allowing people to impact her, because some days she'll call me and she'll just be laughing about stuff, and 
you know, that's a that's a really good thing. Because Tamari's a very smart individual. Very very bright individual. And people's nonsense doesn't take anything away from Tamaria's brightness. Or at least it shouldn't. Mm. When when and, and we have to we have to remember this too. God doesn't judge us by how other people treat us. He judges us by how we treat them. So if I know I'm doing the right thing, doesn't matter what you're doing. I can't go to hell for your sins. So if you want to be stupid right here, go right ahead. That has nothing to do with my soul. <laughs> Back over to you. I guys. agree. Okay. Well, I we have just ten seconds, so um, what we'll do is work to bring it to a close. And Rodney, we'll get you to share the news. Uh, your 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 interview next Monday. Uh, I really really enjoyed that today. It was it was really inspiring. I'm glad I waited until I had time to just sit and listen to the entire thing. So we'll share that next week um, and bring you guys up to date on some of the other things uh, that we're doing. So it's been a great night, Tamaria. Thank you for sitting in and and always being there to help out and chiming in. So it's been a great show. It's uh, very very informative and. I don't know, just allowing you to reflect. So I hope it did the same. We hope it did the same for for all of our listeners. And if you have any questions or comments, please um, share them with us. We'll be back. I said Monday. Tuesday, next Tuesday. See, I'm in autopilot mode. We've been doing it on Mondays for so long. But uh, Tuesday, we'll be back Tuesday, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Rodney, Tamari, do you guys have anything else to add? Um, I'll just say thanks again, and I appreciate you all, and um, I, I really appreciate Rodney always being there for me and, and helping me get through these things and, and, and being really encouraging, um, because a lot of times I'll even have him read and stuff to make sure I'm not crazy, like, oh, I didn't read this wrong, did I? <laughs> um, but it's it's really encouraging to know that this is, like this battle is not ours, and a lot of times it's even bigger than us. And I'm, I definitely would agree that I'm, I'm growing in some respects. Some areas I still need help on, and this is one where I'm trying not to allow the job to stress me out. So I encourage anyone listening to, you have to care for yourself. Um, and so it, it's funny. I saw a quote from Cardi B that somebody posted, and in one of her songs, I don't know which one it is, but she said, like. If I'm too, if I'm so loyal to you, like I was too, so loyal to you that I betrayed myself, oh, and wow. I was like, that is deep and that is so real because I have been loyal to a fault. So I'm grateful for the lessons, for the hardships because they have taught me a lot, and I feel like I wouldn't have gotten to this place had I not gone through the fire. So even though it was heck when I went through it, it was worth it because I started to learn things about myself. Like I'm not a title. I'm not what somebody calls me. I'm what I believe that I am. So to Rodney's point, you go into your interviews with confidence. You wake up every day with confidence knowing that you're competent and you know what you're doing. 
and nobody can take that away from you. And he and to Rodney's point, you can't change how they act, but you can change. You can work on your attitude and how you treat them. So even when stuff is crazy, when that man yelled at me, the next time I saw him, I said, good morning, because I was fine. I literally, after we had our words, I went back to my desk. I worked on a project schedule. I worked on a budget. And guess what? That project, both of them were handed off to the Navy. So we're good. But I can't control how he acts from here on out. Right. So just stay encouraged and yeah, I'm very grateful. Me and Rodney have a lot of heart to heart, so I thank the Lord for him. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody needs that somebody in their life, you know. To some people don't have that, and 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 if you really pay attention, and I won't get going again, you know, start to maybe monitor, just pick up on the li- the the lives of the people who tend to be the most unfair and seem unfair because I was actually reading something today about um, being lonely. It's a new study says that loneliness, um, how does it, it is the new thing that turns people to selfish, to being selfish, to selfishness. Like the more lonely people are, the more selfish they become in, in most all areas of their life. Work, um relationships, all of that. And we I do feel like we have a, a lot of lonely people um in this world that find a way to blame the world and they hide behind that loneliness. So they're rude. They're they you know, I don't know. They just they're different. They come across as very different. So pay attention sometimes and, and see if you can kind of determine Life after work for some of these people. What do they do? Oh, they that's a great point. There, you know what? Because um, sometimes maybe that's the only opportunity they may see us, and it may be the only vision of you know. Not that we're so perfect, but I can say one thing for sure: I desire to be pleasing to God, and 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 that's my goal. Um, do I fail? Absolutely, every day, every day, every day. But that is truly the, the desire of my heart, and so sometimes, like you said to Mary, when you when that guy did that to you, you were able to say what needed to be said, and be angry if you would say at that moment. But it didn't carry over. You know, doesn't mean you still don't feel some kind of way about it. But it doesn't affect my saying good morning to you, good night to you, because I always like to say as I end, you know. So many people going back to 9-11, imagine people got on the elevator that morning and had done so all that year and never said good morning, may have walked out with each other from time to time and never said good evening, have, hope you have a great night or something, and those people died together, like their life ended together but they never found a way to embrace life while they had breath in their body. They, they Not even to say good morning. And so I remember just always making a habit. People get on the elevator with me, hello, how are you? Because it could get stuck. Right. It can get stuck, and we, we spend our day there or we end our lives there. You just It can fall. Anything could happen. And so I always 
I don't care who you are. Even I remember the the same company that I was talking about the name. I remember the the every now and then I would get in in there and the 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 president, you know, the big guy, CEO, whatever he was, and he too would get in sometimes. And I'm like, oh no, you ain't gonna care who you are. We're gonna talk in this elevator. And I would make him talk. How's your wife? How are your kids? How are they doing in school? All kinds of stuff. So, and you just have to be, you just have to find a way to be so that you can become, and the more we become, we give people that space, that energy, and that vision that maybe I can as well. Just maybe I can get out of my own way, get out of my own hell. Um, And that does not mean we have to take stuff. And right. I, in fact, I think the best way to help people is to can I say, Lord, I'm a, I'm gonna say this because sometimes y'all y'all just have to hear it a different way. I think the the best time or the best way to help people is to call them out on their shit. I, and I just truly believe that you have to call people out. And that, uh, yeah, that that's true. Yeah, and I don't mean you go in there with this attitude and the finger pointing and the yelling. No, let's address this issue because there seems to be an issue. What is it? How can we come together, have a meeting of the mind, and make this work? Ask people that question. And most times you will find that you're dealing with cowards who have been, who people have just let go and let be and when they're confronted, they don't they don't want to do that. They don't want to because nobody and, and really they never thought they'd have to because very few people call them out on it. So that's how we will end tonight. And I told you guys I was going to give you this uh and and I wish you would really go back and read it because it really makes you think, but it's Who Knows What's Good or Bad by David G. Allen. And it was a TED, TED Talk transcript. Um, again, who knows what's good or bad, and it's by David G. Allen. It is truly a great read um, and just one that makes you think about, you know, even your own life, things that you, if you look back, there's probably some things that's happened in your life um, that you thought you'd never get over or some people and you look at them now, you say, oh, my God, thank you. You know, or some things, oh, my God, thank you. But at that time, you saw it as the worst thing that could ever happen. And look at you on the other side of it. So who knows what's good? Who knows what's bad? Who knows if we will have to be a buyout or sellout? You just never know. It's how you go through it. How you go through it. I think, determines how it ends. So, Tamaria, thank you again. Thank you to all of our listeners. It's been a great show, and I am going to find a way. I miss Rodney because Rodney usually always does this. And, um, Tamaria, anything before I let Uh, the music go? Oh, no, we're good to go, but um, just FYI, Rodney's phone disconnected because of where he is on the train. I think they're passing okay. Lynchburg. So. <laughs> yeah, I saw it had dropped um, a little right when we were getting ready to end, so I figured he had to hang up. So that that's, that's A-OK. And uh, we'll end tonight's show um, in honor of 
my cousin Diane, who I see out there, and she was on when I logged on. So I especially want to take the time to say thank you to her because, y'all, she is she is one of the few family members, and I say few that have just hung in here with us from the start. And so that means so much to my heart. So this is her favorite song. Um, and I hope I'm playing the right one because we have two versions. I need Rodney. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Diane. Thank you, Tamaria, for for always being thank there as you. well. Nothing but blessings and, and prayers for you and Rodney. I'm just so thankful that you guys are part of my life. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back here next Tuesday. You guys don't know the topic right now, but next Tuesday, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, we'll be on live. You guys have a great night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.